Okay, if you um, have the right plan and the right seeds, you can eat salads basically all winter in most of the United States of America, and especially down here in Texas. Oh, it's so easy. But I learned this from Elliot Coleman in his book, Four Season Harvest. I went to visit him up in Maine where he does this. And so if he can do it in Maine, uh, you can do it anywhere in the United States except maybe um, uh, northern Montana, I don't know, Alaska or somewhere. And so um, this is a little structure that we have under our deck on the south side of the house, just uh, six feet wide and 16 feet long, just two by twos built straight down from the deck, and then a sliding glass door with double pane. My brother does construction. He brought it home from some job. And so it costs us very little to put up that structure and it can be crisp and cold outside, but if the sun's shining, it's just nice in there, and uh, anytime, it, but it, on a cold night, it can even freeze in there, but your you know, lettuce and, and uh, arugula, they can be frozen, but then when they thaw out, you've got a beautiful salad. So there's a time during the winter, or maybe every other winter in West Virginia where it freezes up for two weeks where, you know, it's just frozen, the door's frozen shut or something. And, uh, but the rest of the time it can be really freezing at night and then just thaw out in there in the, in the uh, daytime. And uh, here you can see this picture was taken a few years ago when my son was a little bit uh, younger. This is when we first built the, uh, this little, sort of like a sunroom, but it's, it's not heated, okay? And uh, so there on the right we have uh, lettuce, and over here is uh, probably some kind of uh, pak choy or something like that. And along the edge we have onions and garlic chives and so on and so forth. And before we built this structure, we had just a little cold frame. Let's see, we'll get through these right here. And then on really cold nights, you put this over uh, your plants with little uh, wire hoops. You put this floating row cover, which is kind of a spun-bound fabric that uh, as it gets cold, the moisture in the air freezes on that fabric and creates like a plastic layer. Okay, and so it protects it. Even though it freezes under there, it protects it from the burning freeze of the freezing. What's that? I don't know. I've never heard it called that. But Johnny's has several different weights, and I'll show you pictures of it here. And you can see on the right we had plastic. Actually, this one on the left is also plastic. It's a, it's a drop cloth or something like that. But most of the time, we use uh, floating row cover. There you can see the hoops there. Uh, spinach and Chinese cabbage. Um, sometimes we'll have parsley, a whole list of different, you know, hardy plants. So you need hardy plants, 
the right timing to plant it to get it started before the winter, and the right structure that would just give it a little bit of protection. That can be an unheated greenhouse or hoop house, you know, or it can be a cold frame or, or something like that. I'll show you a picture here in a minute. It's just something that has uh, like window panes on the top of it, kind of slanting, and, uh, and you just slide those off and reach right in there and cut your salad, close it back up again. Type thing. Just another picture where it's, it's growing along. See how the onions have, have grown up there? Um, some of this we transplanted in, if we don't get it started in time, we have fall lettuce out in our garden, and we just dig it up and bring it in, transplant it in here, into the um, inside. Yeah, right here, that's some, that's some celery growing right there. You'd be amazed how much freezing celery can take. And you don't take the whole plant, you just take the leaves, you know, and it keeps coming, keeps coming. Same thing with the onions. You don't pull up those green onions, you just take the green leaves and it keeps pumping out more leaves. And this uh, has two by twos coming down, it has a layer of plastic on the inside and a layer of plastic on the outside. But now we have a 24 by 60 hoop house with only one layer of plastic and, and it works essentially just as well, okay, but this keeps it warmer. Of course, this is built against the house, and that's a heated basement, so that helps to give it. And the south side, where the sun heats the blocks there and, and everything. And then uh, when springtime comes, we plant salads out in the garden, and we um, plant tomatoes in the in the greenhouse, the hoop house, and also in here, okay? And so that grows and gives us our first tomatoes that are about a month earlier than the ones out in the garden. I mean, those things are like gold, see? And um, so there you just see again, that's looking in the door. And you can see there's, this is uh, still, some still some lettuce growing. We didn't it looked so nice, we didn't want to destroy it when we planted our lettuce. I mean, we planted our tomatoes, so we just dug holes between the lettuce, knock out some of the lettuce, and but leave a lot of it there so that we can um, um, be picking lettuce and tomatoes. And then, um, the, then, when, then we plant tomatoes out in the garden, and, you know, the whole season just steamrolls you and you're picking tomatoes and canning and everything and you forget about those ones in the greenhouse because those are greenhouse hybrid tomatoes they don't taste quite as good as the one that's out in the garden and so it gets a big jungle in there and then it's time for it to freeze outside so about the time the first frost which in our area is about end of september middle of september maybe a week or two before that we uh, go in there and we prune up those tomatoes and tie them up like they're supposed to have been all along as, as much as we can. Prune. You see how they're pruned up now? And then we uh, plant our lettuce all around the tomatoes. And uh, so we're kind of 
alternating back and forth between lettuce and tomatoes in there. Okay, and you would be amazed at how long these tomatoes can keep going in there in this unheated thing. We've picked tomatoes clear into January with this. Even after the vines have gotten frozen several times, you go in there in the morning, you can see that, you know, it changed the color of the leaves to us glassy, but somehow they, uh, a day or so later, hey, they're still alive and there's still tomatoes growing. Okay, well, don't throw them out yet. Okay, here's a, here's a cold frame. Now, ours was made out of wood. We did a a two by 10 across the front, so there wasn't glass on the front like this one. And then we had it slanting up and we put old window panes. They were wooden window panes with glass in them, okay? The old fashioned cold frame type of thing. And then we put a layer of plastic on um, with a little space, you know, just the way the panes are when you put plastic on the outside, there's a space between the plastic and the, and the glass. And so it was two layers there, the glass and the plastic. But this one here is, you know, you can buy ones like this from Johnny's that uh, plexiglass and aluminum, and you can even get these automatic openers, okay? This right here is a non-electric automatic opener that's run by this little cylinder. And so when it starts heating up in there, it will just open up, and when it cools down, it closes it back. So you can go to church, you know, and if the sun comes out, you won't be distracted from the sermon, okay, because you know everything's okay back there. Yeah. But this actually, in a way, works better because when you have a hoop house, you know, you have all this surface that can be cold, made cold by the, by the cold temperature outside and only this much surface of warming soil from underneath, whereas you have a little short cold frame there's just a little surface to be made cold, and so it actually stays warmer in a low structure than it does in a, you know, a higher structure. So cold frames are really great things, and of course you don't have to build such a big structure to give you room to walk in there. You just, it's all planted from corner to corner, you know? And when you do this, you give it your best shots. You put like two inches of compost, really well-made compost, because you want that to be, you know, it's going to be pretty cold growing, and so it needs to have a good, you know, nutrient package there and also slow-release nutrients. Because what happens when there's low-light conditions, if you're using chemical fertilizer, the nitrates will build up in your greens in the low-light conditions of winter. But the compost gives you that, you know, cafeteria style, not the force-feeding deal. Okay, just more, more shots here. Now, this is our hoop house, okay? And this was, um, let's see, three years ago in, I think, the beginning of November. That's usually when it starts really freezing in West Virginia. Um, hard freezes, okay? And now that global warming seems to be hitting us, it actually goes on more like the first of December, okay, that it starts getting really cold. But here you can see these are uh, beds of romaine lettuce. This is uh, leaf lettuce and red romaine. Over here's kale, and over here's a bed of carrots. Uh, it's not working here for some reason. Over on the right side, carrots. 
Yeah, but I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to point. So over here on the right, it doesn't want to point over that way. Somehow something's messing up my beam. Anyway, um, but in general, if you're going to go through the winter, you don't want to grow big heads of lettuce. Bigger lettuce, it is damaged more by the freeze. You want to go salad mix type of thing, just cut and come again. So you just cut it with a little sawtooth knife so it's only growing this tall or whatever. And salad mix type of thing, mixed in with all kinds of arugula and sorrel and, and this and that, you know, those sophisticated greens that, that you would find in those organi organic salad mixes. But even here, we cover this with floating row cover when it starts getting cold. And we have taken our, even our big head lettuce with multiple layers of floating row cover right on into the coldest part of the winter. So you, you can do it. And we put a la one layer of row cover over our kale. And again, it gets frozen, but it, it survives. So go right on through the winter. Okay, and this is after uh, we've come in and slaughtered the lettuce and shipped it off to our friends in town that aren't so fortunate as to have a, a green. I mean, when you've got a, a greenhouse full of salads, you just feel rich, see? And you just supply salads for the whole church and potlucks and giving away carrots in the middle of the winter. People are just so envious of you, you know? <laughs> Even if you're in a financial crisis and your car is on the rocks because it's a used whatever, you know? You're rich, see, yeah, that's great. And of course, we're told that those who have a home on the land with sufficient ground for tilling, they'll be like kings and queens when, you know, the crisis that we're, we know is coming from Revelation 13 and other things is uh, hitting. So we need to be as much as we can preparing for that. And we have so many things to balance in our life of witnessing and outreach what God impresses us to do in that area and building all these nice little infrastructure and everything. So sometimes it's a struggle, you know, to make it all happen. At least it is for me. There you see the floating row covers and the hoops, though, that we, we uh, put over it. Okay, and this is, uh, let's see, this was November two years ago, okay? And this lettuce right here was probably started just before the first frost, okay? While it was still relatively nice weather, so that by the time it's the first of November and starting to freeze, it, it looks like this, say. And then here's some that we planted probably middle of October, and that is gonna be probably just the right size to pick about the first of January. It's not gonna grow very much. You wanna get it to this, you know, like this size here, and then it's just kind of stored there under the floating row cover. You don't expect it to grow a whole lot. So it's a timing. Timing thing is, uh, is quite important. And you plant the rows, you can see, pretty close together. You can just broadcast the seed, but I like to put it in rows, so if they're weeds, I can t have a little narrow that I welded up myself. I just go in between there. And here you can see we still had some, uh, some peppers that we were putting row covers over, the row covers down in the pathway. But we were keeping it going. I don't know, we kept it going till about end of December or, yeah, 
but that was really too much work. Now we have a heater in there, and we have free natural gas. If you come to West Virginia looking for land, uh, you're looking for uh, property that has free natural gas. It just comes with the territory, okay? Even if you don't own the mineral rights, somebody could come and drill a well right into your yard maybe, but even so, there, if there's a well on the property, the person who owns the house can have free natural gas. So you just can, you know, heat your barn or whatever. And so our barn is our greenhouse and we try not to waste the gas though. <laughs> Whoops, what happened? Okay, this is down on the ground level of those ones I was telling you were ready to, ready to pick on the 1st of November. And there you can see we've got the drip irrigation there. And uh, that's, uh, that's Mizuna right there. And this is uh, maybe uh, arugula or uh, spinach mustard, okay? And all different kinds of lettuces. Uh, uh, John will tell you about different varieties there that we, we use. And we're always looking for, you know, new varieties that can take a lot of freezing and, and cut and come again real nice. <clears throat> there you can see uh, a lettuce mix there that we just bought off of the Kmart or Walmart uh, burpees uh, rack, okay? And so if you want to learn what the good lettuces are, you just buy some of those packets. It tells you right on there all the varieties. And you plant that, and you see which ones you like. And then you know which ones to, to buy by the you know, bigger packets from Johnny's or, or whatever. <clears throat> and yeah, here's arugula, mizuna, this and that and the other. And so it's just great. You know, you just go in there in the middle of the winter, and you cut a little mizuna and a little this and some onions and some garlic chives and some parsley and, and uh, celery and you put it all in and you take it to your wife and she fixes it up and you know five minutes later or 15 minutes later you're just eating this fresh salad you know it didn't have to travel all the way from California or whatever type of thing. <clears throat> okay so here's our floating row cover see we're covering the, covering the peppers here whoops 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 there we're covering the peppers over here and there we just pulled it back so you can see and we have the hoops that helps it especially when it's freezing a lot it's good to hold it up a little bit it's not absolutely necessary but this is a heavier kind of row cover and it's nice to have it up on little wire little wire hoops there's that's all ready for a cold night okay and this is the thinner stuff you can almost see through it it's in Johnny's it's Agrabon that's the, the kind I like the best and it's 0.55 uh, thickness. Can somebody find the, the page here? I should have had that uh, picked out toward the back. How far apart do you put those hoops? The hoops, yeah, about uh, oh, three or four feet. Yeah, it could be even five feet. Yeah. And then this is the thicker stuff that we needed to keep those peppers uh, from freezing and as it got colder we even put two layers okay um, but the salads can take you know can take more and you just put that on there you don't have to take it off every day but if it gets really hot in there you roll it back okay 232 and uh, this stuff you got to have this stuff if you're going to grow through the winter 
Okay, so here's Agrabon 19 is what we usually use in a garden. We can plant our carrots and beets and lettuce out in the garden two weeks to a month earlier than we would otherwise, and it won't get burned by the freeze when it comes up, okay? And then you can use it in your, in your greenhouse, or you can use it after you've done the salads and carrots and beets. Then you put it over your early tomatoes that you're planting out a little bit too soon, okay? Put it over that, and then you put it over your cucumbers that you want to keep the cucumber beetles from eating, except you have to take it off then when they start blooming because the bees have to be able to get in there to go from the male to female flowers. And then in the fall, you put it over some of the peppers out in your garden that you don't want to get frozen, first frosts or whatever you want to protect out there, some beans that are still going. And then you use it in the greenhouse as it gets colder and colder. And then if you look on down the page, you'll see here um, the Agrabon uh, 50, and that is 1.5 ounces per square yard, and that's that, that heavier, heavier duty stuff. So those are the two that we, um, that we use. Okay, um, <clears throat> yeah, there's the Agrabon. That to me is a really nice brand, and you can see how it's just spun, spun fabric. Okay, so when you're looking for, uh, for uh, things that you can grow in the winter, you want to look for various varieties that will tolerate freezing and will grow well in low light conditions that come from short days, fall and winter. And you want different ones of colors and textures, you know, for your lettuce mix, so you don't just have all one kind of lettuce. Uh, here's some uh, butterhead, romaine, oak leaf, uh, black-seeded simpson, tango, cardinal, and green ice. They're hardy and have a nice crisp texture. Uh, extra hardy varieties are Arctic King, North Pole, Winter Marvel, Sesame, Samantha, Charisma. And for winter salad, you want to plant the seeds. Okay. And then uh, give some of those uh, of the other type of greens besides the salad. Arugula, Mizuna, Spinach, uh, Claytonia, Endive. One that we got onto recently is called spinach mustard. Uh, it's also called komatsuna, I think. Uh, if you look in Johnny's catalogs, it's not spinach mustard. I think it's komatsuna. Anyway, it's kind of nice leaves there. I don't know how to describe them. They're not really like anything else. Is it dark green? Yeah. Uh, it's more light green, yeah, more actually. Light green. Yeah, more light green. <laughs> I don't know. There may be dark green varieties, but the one we've been growing is more light green. Yeah, it's like a real tender, tender um, mm, Chinese cabbage uh, with tongue-like leaves. You know, it doesn't really form a head. But all those Asian greens, they will produce more, uh, more growth during the cold and the low-light conditions than any other of the greens and salads and, and that kind of thing. Okay, now we're going to talk about uh, fall garden, okay? 
um, <clears throat> before I had a greenhouse or a cold frame or something like that, I would just do a lot of this just out in the garden. And uh, it's one of the easiest gardens to grow because the weeds don't seem to grow so much in the fall, okay? It's the hardest garden to grow because you get so covered up with the summer gardening and everything that to get this stuff started when you should, that's the only, only challenge. But, you know, just as that first early summer stuff has gone over the hill, your early beans and stuff, you need to clean that up. It's just becoming a jungle. You till that all up, and sometime in West Virginia, sometime in uh, July or August, you start planting carrots and kale and all that kind of thing. So this is our fall garden. And you can see around the edges, it was kind of jungle-like. You see weeds there and stuff. So over here on the, on the right is, um, I think that's some kale. And right in here, these are turnips, okay? And this right here is beets. And this is carrots, even though you can't see it. It's just barely coming up there, okay? And this is lettuce, um, right? Um, yeah, right here's lettuce. And here's a few things that we had saved, a pepper plant that we didn't want to get rid of. And these are tomato plants that are all blighted, and, but they still have a few tomatoes on them. So you get the idea, okay? And this is about the time when it was really starting to freeze, so we were probably picking those, those peppers before they got frozen. And you can see how this has grown up. Now you can see the carrots here and the beets. And see how those beets look more purple than they should? That's probably a boron deficiency. Okay, when your beets, you know, they should be green leaves with purple ribs, like this one right here. Uh, where is it? There we go. But see how these are more ugly purple? Okay, that's probably um, borderline. I mean, if it's really a boron deficiency, there won't be any green. It'll just be an ugly purple, brown purple, and the beets will taste terrible, okay? So, uh, but you want to get the deficiency taken care of before this because actually it affects the nutrition and the yield a long time before you can see it like that, okay? That's just kind of a little bit of an aside there, I guess. And there you see the turnips. Uh, there's, some, um, there's some nice turnips over there under those greens. And um, if I can get this thing to do. Over on the right, uh, it sort of looks like weeds. And that's because uh, the kale, uh, we've got a, a, a weed in West Virginia we call wild buckwheat. And it grows so fast. But we didn't bother to weed it because we knew the frost is coming. And when the frost hits that wild buckwheat, it's just like an herbicide. And so it just burns it down and the kale just keeps on growing. So we've got other things to do besides pull weeds in the kale. So. And you can see this lettuce here is looking kind of ratty because this right here we haven't picked, but this we've been picking, 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 picking. So um, then when it starts getting really cold, then we put um, little hoops like this over and uh, put the, this is a floating row cover that's laying on the ground there and put it over to protect and help it to go, you know, further into the winter. And then by the time it gets really cold, we'll cover this with maybe some straw to keep it, um, the beets and carrots, 
and uh, keep them going, you know, just kind of stored there over the winter. But these others will put uh, either row cover or plastic over it. And this is a bed of kale that we um, made into a, a little mini greenhouse over it. We took our tomato cages. Here you see one of our tomato cages. And we opened it up and then just put it like a little quonset, like so. We did that right here over our kale. And then we just stretched this plastic over it. So it's a little mini greenhouse there. And we did that for 10 years before we got our, our hoop house. And now we're getting kind of lazy. You know, we just plant our kale in there. It just sort of takes care of it, see? But, but it, we, you can just open it up in the middle of the winter, and there's a nice kale. It tastes a lot better after it's been frozen. It makes it sweet, okay? And of course, down here in Texas, it'd be so easy to do winter gardening. I'm almost ready to, to move down here, okay? <laughs> but this cold, it really kind of slowed me down. <laughs> but last year, was, I mean, year before last, it was so nice. Yeah. Okay, I think that's maybe our last slide. Okay, here's just some other little things. What what time do we have here? Okay, good. These are just some things you want to do to maybe start early in the spring and go later into the fall. Okay? If you have some of these we already mentioned, southern exposure will warm up sooner. Uh, light soil warms up sooner. Well-drained soil warms up sooner. Good air drainage, not down in a low pocket, but on a little bit of a slope. The cold air just drains away. So that helps you to get, you know, your crop going earlier. It doesn't rot in the ground or something like that. Okay, and then of course early varieties, fast growing vegetables like radishes and salads and so forth. Really healthy transplants, as big as you can get them. Black plastic mulch helps to warm the soil. Of course, floating row covers and hoop houses and cold frames, all those things. Wall of water, they sell those in Johnny's. It's just a plastic little thing that goes around your plant and you fill the little tubes in it up with water. And the thermal properties of water help it to hold the heat and protect your plants. <clears throat> okay, that's I guess the end there. Maybe you have a couple questions here on um, how to grow your salads or uh, if it's going to be a cold night and you don't want your strawberries to freeze, your strawberries are blooming and you don't want those blossoms to get frozen, you just set out a sprinkler there and turn it on before it starts freezing in the middle of the night. You get up in the middle of the night, turn it on before you go to bed and that just sprinkle, 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 sprinkle and it'll just form ice over your strawberry plants or even other vegetables, okay? And if it doesn't break your vegetables all down, of course the strawberries are low enough to the ground, it won't be a problem. It's just cover them with ice. But somehow the thermal properties of water again, it keeps the actual blossom from freezing. So it's really a neat thing. Um, okay, maybe um, I'll uh, turn the rest of the time over to Joel here. And if you guys have heard enough, you can just filter on out. But Joel's going to give you um, some on the, the trees, okay? And uh, 
Uh, that's something that many, I heard several people mentioning that they're working to develop uh, a tree fruits on their property. In, the, in South Texas or the southern parts, you have to make sure that you take into consider the, consideration the chill hours of your area when you're ordering fruit trees. And you can, from the county extension office, you can get the uh, records of the average chill hours for the different counties. And it varies, you know, from Houston to Dallas. Um, and the chill hours is the number of hours during the winter when the temperatures are between 45 and 32 and those accumulate over the winter and so you end up with a certain number of chill hours say it might be two to three hundred for the southern part and more like six to eight hundred uh, in the northern part of texas so in the uh, whatever area of the country you are those chill hours need to be matched with the varieties that do well for that for that area so that's something that you need to consider um, we've also found that <clears throat> many times the asian pears do better than the european pears european pears have more trouble with um, fire blight, um, it can really be a problem. Um, and then uh, a little bit on how I plant them. Um, if you go online and you Google um, Grandma White's uh, tree planting method, you will find several um, uh, sites that give some info about how Ellen White planted fruit trees. And from my understanding, the Lord showed her uh, how to plant fruit trees. She doesn't give a very full description of it, um, but her uh, son, her grandson, um, he has uh, elaborated on it. The results of her planting fruit trees in Australia and on her place in California were very successful as far as the productivity of, of, uh, of those orchards that she planted. Um, so basically, what she recommended was um, digging a large hole that was uh, about um, three feet square and um, putting a layer of, of uh, uh, nine or ten uh, uh, rocks about what you'd hold in your hand um, in the bottom of that um, hole, um, mixing um, 
good soil with what she called dressing. So uh, whatever that was, I would assume that it was compost. I have not always had uh, large quantities of, of uh, compost that I made myself uh, available. So I would use what I conceived would help to supply something comparable. So in Utah, I used um, alfalfa hay, and I would use about one two-strand bale per hole. So I would put um, a um, about six or eight inches of of dirt, and I just used the dirt that I took out. It was all sand anyway. I would put six or eight inches of that in the hole, and then I would put uh, about a good two-inch layer of of the alfalfa hay bale. And the other thing I used was um, split um, pinto beans. And so I would put, for one hole, I would put a five-gallon bucket of split beans. I would do it layer by layer, so I'd put one coffee can of split beans um, per, uh, per layer. So my six to eight inches of dirt, um, the alfalfa layer, and then I would put my coffee can of bean trash, and then I would churn that up to where it was really well mixed, uh, the depth of a shovel, then I would just repeat that process, fill the hole on up, until I got to the height where I needed, where I would put a board across so that I would see where the height of the tree would be when it's all said and done, and make sure that the graft will come out above the soil level. You don't, you don't want the graft to be below the soil. Uh, surface and then I would t underneath where I'm going to put the tree I would put a rock about like this and make a little pyramid over that rock um, and for the area that would be within a few inches three or four inches of the tree roots I would not put any foreign material so I wouldn't put any, any, any weird amendments or anything. I would, I found that it's very easy uh, I, to, for people to use various amendments and, um, and it be too much for the plant. And so right where, within a few inches, I did not put any, any, uh, other anything other than just regular soil, topsoil. Now, how deep would that be then when you do the pyramid? pyramid. Yeah. Well, I would. Uh, it would be. Um, it. It kind of depends on the the root structure, and uh, and I planted bare root trees, so. If you're planting ones that come from these uh, big pots from the nursery, then it would be a different story. 
um, and you wouldn't necessarily, you know, the, you're being able to place that big rock right in underneath the roots doesn't work so great. You can still try to do that, but it's going to be a little bit different um, because you're not just right up underneath the real base of the roots. You're just underneath the very bottom of their root ball, but it's not it's not like right up under the base of the roots. Uh, no, the rock is more like for um, a foundation for the tree. Yeah, so it's kind of like uh, a, a foundation for the tree. Make sure you repeat the question. Okay, so yeah, so the question about the rock was, do you have to have a special kind of rock? Um, you know, you could actually use you know, a, a chunk of concrete, you know, or, you know, but I would like to try to find river rock or something, you know, more natural. But there are some places here in Texas that it's hard to find rocks. Yeah. That was at the bottom. But that was at the bottom. Yeah. Now, it depends. You can, uh, okay. Unless you have a replacement. Yeah, he's suggesting about doing a, a drainage, um, a perforate or a drain tile at the bottom of your hole. Um, yeah, and, uh, and that's true. Um, yeah, you can use PVC. Um, back then they used um, clay tile, like, you know. But in areas where you have heavy clay, I think that that is a good idea. Where you have sand, I don't really see any value to it. Um, you know, sand you've got, you know, it's to help with drainage and with aeration. Um, but anyway, right. And there's various. Right. What is pictured on some of these diagrams that you'll find on the web is a four inch pipe with a rock on either end um, to keep the dirt from filling up the, the pipe. And so when you get up to the, the top, um, you put your roots over this pyramid of, of soil. And then as you, um, as you cover the immediate area of the roots, you also want to do that with, with just topsoil and not with, uh, with some, a bunch of foreign um, amendments that are going to be uh, difficult for the, hand, the plant to handle right away. And then um, I, I'm really careful that I make sure that that graft is several inches above the, the soil and, and flood, the, flood the tree well keep it well watered initially. Um, you mustn't overwater it, but um, I've found that they really take off and, uh, you know, really do well. Now, some lower areas here in Texas, you really have to be considering if they're going to get too much water because trees don't like to have wet feet. So, you want an area that is uh, preferable, that is elevated, where there is air drainage so that 
the colder air can go down. It'll help with your frost protection, your blooms in the spring. Um, yeah, the question was about a pipe for watering. Um, yeah, you can do that. Um, but I just, uh, I put, I found that it works best to have it on a system so that I can water all my trees and I don't have to water them individually because I had some that I had to water individually. They didn't all get the kind of uh, regular water that they needed. And that first year, the way that you water them is so important in getting them off to a good start. So um, I just ran a, a line along the trees and put a mini wobbler by each one um, or you can uh, do a ring of, of drip uh, around each one. Yeah, that will work, sure. Yeah. So growing fruit is just, you know, it's very rewarding. Uh, we were there in Monument Valley for nine years. We planted the fruit trees the first year we were there. And then we started getting apricots um, on second and third year and we would get after third and fourth year we were getting you know about 50 to 75 pounds off of every tree uh, each year and the nice thing with well like apricots but it's also true with others um, they especially apricots though they are quite frost tolerant and they also have reserve buds so even when you get a little bit of a frost at the wrong time um, we've found at least where we were that a lot of them survived and we got consistent uh, yields and it was just very rewarding some of them and some of them you don't so you, the nurseries that you deal with they will they will it will they will help you to know whether they are self-pollinating or whether they need a pollinator okay all right and uh, you know there's there was a really neat statement that I read that when we when we pick the when we pick the fruit off of our trees that we should consider it as truly coming from the hand of God as if he handed it to us personally you know and when you think about that um, you know it just changes the whole experience of uh, cooperating with God in the garden and in the orchard um, and makes it very special very personal um, if if your area phosphorus is a nutrient that is especially needed for fruiting so um, rock phosphate is often used but I know that there are some parts of the country that are high in phosphorus so it would be good to not just guess at it but to know because you're kind of making a, an investment that it would be good to to do it um, with the knowledge of what is already there okay yeah when do you need to to plant um, you need to plant <clears throat> um, 
in usually in the in the fall or in the spring and but you want to do it uh, during the dormant during the dormant time so it's essential that you get them planted before uh, I would say several weeks before leaves begin to bud out that's really important because if you don't it gets too hot and then they don't do well at all they'll they'll die okay let's just have a word of prayer as we close <coughs> dear Heavenly Father we are amazed at how special it is that you've given us the privilege of having a part in cooperating with you as our creator and that you have designed the the physical world to illustrate the principles of your eternal kingdom so that we can better understand things that we can't see but that are just as real as the things around us and so we pray that you would help us that through our uh, cooperation with you that we might be drawn closer to you and really understand the principles of depending on you and working in cooperation with the great laws of life that you have surrounded us with and we thank you in jesus name amen this media was brought to you by audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.